2420. My name is Stephanie Chibir and I'm the host of this show for this episode. We have a wonderful gentleman that is a part of one of the most recent nonprofit organizations, which is the New Black Collective. They also have their own podcast, right, sir? We do have our own podcast. Awesome. It is called Stories of the Street. So that's the one we have in partnership with Black Scent. But we have one that we do uh, every so often that's on our own. And I can't remember the name of it now that you asked me. <laughs> so now you everybody has a new a little homework today I to know. go and check it out. But um he's a part of one of the new um uh, nonprofits here in Waco, which is a new black collective. He has been a uh, he has been a part of this great movement as well as walking a big long road to be where he's at today. He has said, he is a great source of inspiration. I can't even speak today. I'm so nervous to have you. <laughs> so, sir, would you mind sharing with us your name, your current job, and the role that you have within the New Black Collective, please? Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, I didn't want to leave off on that note. Just go look up the New Black Collective <laughs> on the podcast because I sound crazy. But um, so, my name is Kevin Thomas. I'm from Waco, and I am a co-founder and board secretary of the New Black Collective. By the way, Kevin, once a Trojan, always a Trojan, forever and ever. Forever, I think <laughs> most of the people that have been on the podcast are Trojans, and they're rightfully so. We're, I we're mean, the, we're the best ones. We're pretty cool people. <laughs> all right, we're all podcasting too. I think that's pretty cool. There know? is a bunch of podcasts out there with yeah. Trojans. You are very right about that. All right, Kevin, I'm very curious to hear this one. What is your favorite part of being an adult? Uh, hands down, not having to ask anybody any permission to do what I want to do. <laughs> and I know that's silly, but it's the best thing. Um, I, I like to be on the move. So I would say that being able to just get up and go was my saving grace, becoming an adult. You know, not having to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be back at this time. Of course, you still want to check in, but I love right. the fact that I can just go. You do have a younger sister, right? I've got two younger sisters. Uh, one of them is at University of Houston right now. She's playing volleyball. And another is at at uh, Tennyson right now. She's 13. And Tennyson she's Middle School? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yes. I think you had graduated by the time she was born. <laughs> I, I remember your younger sister coming to, well, not the youngest, youngest. Mm-hmm. But I remember the one that is in college right now mm-hmm. coming to band practice. Yep. She was itty bitty back then. Now uh, she's she almost was. 22 years old. She's about to graduate with her master's. That's, That's how old crazy. We are. Mm-hmm. Time flies. It does. I, um, I had an episode with Mr. Joel Vera, and we were just talking about how okay. we're all grown up now with kids and. People are just like growing up and they're just like, dude, what is going on? Now you see the high school kids and you're like, dude, grow up. <laughs> Why are you so immature? Yeah, I know, I know. Time flies. It does. Number four, what has been your biggest mistake? What did you learn from it, Kevin? My biggest mistake has been thinking that I can do everything on my own or by myself. And in particular, my dad, once I graduated college, my dad would always say, you know, it's really okay to ask for help. And I was like, why do you keep saying that? But it's because uh, growing up, being the oldest child, and my mom was single, so my parents weren't together, I always had this thing where I felt like I had to do or be the best at whatever I was doing. 
and not the best meaning like my talent level, but just be that one go to person. And it's it's not always the case. Like you you need other people's input. You need other people's advice. You need help, you know. And so I also learned from that that um, I was shutting out opportunities to hear other people's voices. Like I love to listen to other people, but I didn't realize that I wasn't actually allowing them to share their input because their input could be so much better than mine for something that I wasn't you know as good at as them so Mm -hmm. that was one thing making sure that I'm open to hearing other people and and open to help I love that constructive criticism yes it's it's one of those things that is hard to take if if you're not what is what is that saying if you're not ready for take your own medicine no I think it goes along the lines of if you're not ready for accountability a construct uh constructed comment will feel like an attack or something along those lines yes 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 i love that i'm gonna go look that up and steal that because that's actually very true yeah if you're i mean if somebody's telling you hey you're not parking properly and Mm. you know you're like why are you telling me that that is not true. true and i'm good at parking but that's very true all right let's move on number five what has been the most important lesson you have learned working with a nonprofit organization that helps your community kevin most important lesson I have learned is this. You do not have to look elsewhere to find the answers. And what I mean by that is this. When I went off to school, I felt that I had to go do XYZ program or go be in you know XYZ club and meet XYZ people in order for me to be an effective giver. And all I had to do was look outside my mom's front door into Waco and see the issues that we were having look at the talent in my own friend group, right? Because mm-hmm. when we started the, the, the nonprofit, who I started with? Four of my friends, right? Indeed. And it's funny because we I'm digressing real quick, but I found a picture with all four of us together on grad picture day. Mm-hmm. And we were standing right next to each other as if we had already planned this. And this was 10 years ago. And so that's such an important lesson I've learned. Things are in front of you. And as long as you are paying attention, then you'll know where you should give. You'll know where you should help out. And people around you have so much talent, you just have to ask them. And that goes back to my last question. If I ask you for help, then there may be something that you can help me with that will allow me to give give back better. So, hmm. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Thank you for sharing that with us, Kevin. Absolutely. Number six. I'm very, very curious for this one. If you could meet an activist that is not with us anymore, who would it be and why? So an activist that I would want to meet is, um, her name is Ida B. Wells, and she was alive back in the mid to late 1800s. And she was a journalist and writer. And what makes her so important and special to me, because um, like doing the podcasting thing and doing um, the nonprofit, I enjoy writing a lot, and I know Jasmine does as well. And so we... We spend a lot of time trying to find ways to incorporate our voices through words on paper. And during the time of the 1800s, Ida B. Wells was a, was a very important part of like civil rights because when, when black and brown people were being killed and especially black men being lynched for starting like their own businesses, mm-hmm. she was keeping a record of it. Hmm. And so I thought that that was a very important thing to take your skill and your passion and use it to not only promote um, self-awareness and promote responsibility in your community, but also to promote that, hey, these people are doing what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and somebody's still attacking them. 
So it's just about having a voice when other people didn't. So that's why I enjoy Ida B. Wells as an activist. That's awesome. That's that's great. Um, all right. No, we're gonna get to my favorite section. I've looked out this answer. This question is for you. <laughs> People always look at me like I'm crazy, but they're I, not. I, I knew they were gonna be fun, so I'm ready. So uh, there are uh, five non-intrusive questions. You answer as fast as you can. Okay. Uh, you know, just to give the podcast a little kick. So get ready, Kevin. Okay. Actually. I'm going to do an extra question that I've been thinking about. Some hot sauce on it. So I'm putting a little bit of Tabasco in there I today. I love Tabasco. Ready? Go, go. All right. Number seven, Big Red or Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper. Number eight, George Trader, Will, and Nelson? Nelson. Number nine, Shiner or Lone Star? Shiner. Number 10, Astros or Rangers? Astros. Good job, Kevin. Number 11, <laughs> Cowboys or Texans? Cowboys. Oh, come on, Kevin. We're it, doing so good. It's a family thing. My parents are from Dallas and Houston, I, but I grew up on this side. So it should make this next question yeah. that I'm adding today very, <laughs> very interesting. Mavericks or Rockets? Oh, Rockets. Good job. All the way. Good, good, <laughs> Which good. Which just good, debunks good. the last one. I was like, wait, you just went from, you just went from one town to the other town? I know, I know, I know. It's okay. We still love you, Kevin. All right, let's get back to the serious questions. We're already number 20. It's just going no kind of fast. cowboy slander. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, Kevin. You're going right to the questions, just giving us some juice and things to think about today. Thank you. You ready? Yeah. Number 12. As a man of color, what has been one of your biggest challenges, and how did you overcome them? Um, a lot of different challenges. Um, I, I would say overall just understanding what I represent and the type of pressure that that presents, right? Everybody has their own thing and we all represent some something different regardless of what we've been through, what the culture says. But just knowing um, the people that I'm doing this for and the community that I do this for, that's been a challenge because I've wanted to remain at times angry and you can't do that. You can't get anything done being angry at the world and placing blame on you know other people other social groups mm. because at the end of the day i'm a big believer in god giving us all a choice Amen. um and we went to university what's we hear in the morning life is full of choices or so make good ones exactly. there we go. come on mr, mr. Correa. Correa. yes <laughs> so the choices you make today you actually you do live tomorrow. with tomorrow and i think that if um if i continue to make great choices about who i am then i'm able to help other people and so it's just about blocking out the noise which is hard sometimes and, and remaining in a peaceful place that's not angry that's not driven by you know social issues so much but it's still driven by love mm. right because at the end of the day i've had situations where somebody who doesn't look like me whether they're white or whether they're hispanic or whether they're asian that i have felt felt a certain way about me and that was not the case mm. and so i blocked a potential relationship or a potential to change how we think about each other's social groups simply because I was being upset and angry in something that I didn't actually know. Mm. So, yeah. I like that's that. That's been very hard for me. I can imagine. can imagine. We're a smart man. You've been able to kick those things off. It's gratifying, foot. though. So, once you get to the hump where, oh, you know, I was like this, now I've grown, it feels way better mm -hmm. than to be like way up here and fall to a point where you've never been before. Mm. So I, like I, I like that. One step at a time. All right, Kevin, number 13. If you could say something to your 18-year-old self, what would it be? <laughs> no drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 that's partially joking, but um, 
Ouch. <laughs> I mean, as a recover addict, an alcoholic, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I would say no drinks. I could have held off, but you know, we we live and we learn. But I, I definitely would say if um, I'm 18 right now, hey dude, don't give up. And that's a little bit cliche, but I, I say it for this reason. I look back on my life and see all the times in college where I was angry or I was ready to give up. And as soon as I got to that point, it was all over. I'm like, oh, that wasn't bad. So it's, for me, I, w- I would say continuing to push through things and to just dig deeper and finding purpose. Like you're not going to necessarily know what everything in your life at that moment is for, but understand that it goes back to the choices you made. So that's what got you there. And two, you may not know it, but in 20 years where you're, where you are now, is probably going to open up so much opportunity or so much insight for you. Mm -hmm. So continue to look for the purpose in what you're doing, not necessarily why it feels a certain way right now. Mm -hmm. So I would always tell myself, just keep going, dig deeper, find that purpose and don't quit because it's, it's meant for something later on. I like that. Thank you. I'm, I'm learning to learn every single day. I'm learning to grow every single day, which has been tough. You know, mm-hmm. you, you watched me be a leader um, with band and mm-hmm. basketball. I did so much when I was in high school. Um, but it's challenging to know that you, you are a leader as a person, but you still have blind spots and being able to learn from them makes me a better leader. So I've really worked on that and trying to humble myself from, you know, that leadership thought process to really say, where down here do I need to be focused so that I can be a good leader? Mm-hmm. Do you struggle with find we're, we're giving yourself grace with those kind of great areas? Mm-hmm. How do you bear that? Not as much, but I, I have said to myself uh, some crazy, awful things in my head because I'm like, oh, I should have gotten that right. Um, but what you have to do is just step away from those things sometimes and give yourself a moment to just relax and be peaceful and remember that it's not, it's not always about that one little thing in your life. You know, there's other parts of you that are important that you have to tend to. And so I just take time away to focus on those things. And heck, if ever, just pick up the phone and call somebody. Like mm-hmm. my best friend's really good at that with me. Hey, I, I feel stupid right now. I feel funky. Let me talk to you. And she does the same with me. And um, that's how I manage through those. That's good. I like that. I like that piece of advice. Thank you. Thank you. All right, number 14. Yeah, 14, right? Are we guys remember that? Yeah, 14? we just did 13. Yeah. We? <laughs> we are moving <laughs> like, on. We are moving on. I'm telling you, Kevin, you're just giving oh, me Oh, yeah, the... the one thing you wish you knew before college. Yes. What is the one Ooh. thing you wish you knew before college, Kevin? How to study. <laughs> <laughs> how to study properly and how to use that information. I'm smart, but I, I never really studied like hardcore. Mm-hmm. I just I, I love information. Um, but when I got to school, <laughs> it showed my behind. You have to really dig in and study and be intentional. So I would tell myself, um, I guess I'm answering the last question yet, but I wish I knew how to study. Mm-hmm. I do now, but while I was in college, I was going nuts. <laughs> like, what the heck is this? So how, how do you, how does Kevin study? How do you, if you have to, let's, for example, if you mm-hmm. have to learn a certain piece of information a certain paragraph for um for the new black collective let's just say you're trying to remember uh some kind of information so mm-hmm. some of some kind of data how do you how do you how do you go about so that? so now um 
I try to be as methodical as possible where I get the information. The first thing I want to do is I actually like to hear it before I read it because I like to talk. So if somebody can just give me like a brief synopsis of something, then I'm good. But if not, I'll read it down. Um, usually I'll read it down, <laughs> write it down. Uh-huh. I will read it out loud to myself. And from there, I just dig into like whatever pieces that I don't know. But I try to time myself because after about 20 minutes, I space out. Mm. So if it's a long piece of something I have to read, I'll give myself a time limit and then I just quit, go do something for three to five minutes and then come back. Um, That way I'm not too distractible because then I'll just start thinking about like what I ate for whatever and it's just too much. (laughs) Yeah, it's just too much. So so I just read that little bit, um, look for any clues that I don't think I know is good and then go back and then um, after I've highlighted, just kind of mark down and give myself a a summary of what I just read and mm-hmm. then I regurgitate it immediately do you find do you try to make yourself in a comfortable setting do you I know this mm-hmm. sounds very cliche but I, I'm trying to get people over here that are struggling with studying because yeah. I'm one of them I, I like to put classical music in the back mm. it kind of helps me retain a lot of the information yeah. because then I'm not like okay there's noise here there's noise there yeah um what do you do with things like that Kevin so I have been really heavy on all the YouTube channels that play like the live music streams um like the lo-fi cafe type of hip huh. vibe I love those too much um classical music makes me feel cold like physically cold <laughs> but um sometimes I'll do classic other times I'll be doing like jazz or maybe some background reggae, mm-hmm. but I do that through the entire work day. Okay. So whether I'm actually working and studying or like working at my job, I do that the whole day because that keeps me focused and I, I leave it on high enough to, you know, keep me from like hearing other sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely some type of serene calm music. And then again, once I take my little break, I cut that off and then I go and listen to something else or do something like a jam session for like five minutes and then Mm -hmm. I go right back Hmm. to give myself a little bit of off and on time no that's pretty that's pretty smart I've never thought about it all right you're ready from number 15 I'm ready I'm curious to know about this one what position did you play in uh this is not the question by the way this is not the question what position did you uh play I played power forward slash center mostly center um so I was the guy close to the goal Nice. Nice. <laughs> Did you ever get to dunk in college, guys? A lot. And um, I blocked a lot of shots in college. In nice. Fact. Um, like a lot of shots. I almost won a defensive award for the whole conference in college because oh, I, nice. I was like one of the top ranked for shot blocks. But, man, that was so much fun. I love, I love, um, I miss college basketball a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because just to, if you get a chance to do anything in college that, or anything with anybody that involves um, like camaraderie, then I say go for it. And if y'all are traveling and y'all get to do whatever, I say go for it because the experience is there. So that's awesome. So with that said, number fifteen is what is your favorite memory from playing basketball in college? Traveling and free food because <laughs> you just it is you get pregame meals and stuff. You get all your meal plans and you go to different. I've never been to as many fancy restaurants in my life as mm. when I played basketball all through, you know, high school and college. Um, 
I went to a lot of places in high school, not with university, but with my summer program, because mm-hmm. that's kind of more college where you travel like Vegas and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's literally traveling. I went to Mexico for the first time. We were in Puerto Vallarta. We went for nice. basketball. Um, we went to the Bahamas for basketball. Um, you know, other people go to like Paris and stuff. So it's, it's that and free food. What was your favorite place to visit? Um, Puerta was a lot of fun. But I think the Bahamas was the was my favorite because we it, it's just the Bahamas, right? And mm-hmm. you saw I think Oprah has a beach house out there. Excuse me, we went snorkeling. Um, just a lot of things to do, and I love Caribbean food. I, I enjoy um, the different cultures in America, especially in the central area. So mm-hmm. all that good food, I was I was good to. Go. Were you guys playing a game against another college all the way up there? Yeah, so we'll have tournaments. Um, usually, when you travel far like that, it's a tournament setting because most colleges are based in America when it comes to like Division One, or based in the states, I should say. So we were playing like a weekend tournament or whatever. Um, but other than that, getting oh no 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 another great I think this one's the best one. It's the leverage actually. So most athletes don't actually leverage their in their experience. We meet so many donors. We meet so many mm-hmm. uh, university officials. We meet like professional athletes. We go and and um, like if they had the the championship games, we get to work those for free and all that stuff. So like we have a lot of fun. And if you leverage those relationships. I've met the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nice. Because uh, he also owns um, his family, rather owns uh, Manchester United. So really, yeah, I did not know that. Ex- they're Tulane grads. I didn't know that either until you know one day we were at like a, a donor function, and then you know we had to all dress up, of course. But I I took advantage of those relationships. I've met the executive um, director of the Grammys. His daughter was one of my classmates. I've met folks who work um, for Def Jam. One of the first presidents. Uh, from Def Jam, I've met people who were like casting directors, etc. So it's that's just awesome. about leveraging relationships. Yeah. So that's actually my real answer. That's cool. For a million dollars. For a million dollars. I'm very excited to hear the next one, Kevin. Um, I think you're the first person that I asked this for. Mm-hmm. I had to say for Jasmine because she's also female, but I was yeah. like, nah, I gotta throw this out to Kevin. <laughs> so number sixteen. What are your new hopes for this country now that we have a female vice president? Yeah, so... Oh, we're about to piss off so many people. I love this. I know we are, and (laughs) and I love it, too. I think that, um, you know, I heard a quote one day uh, from Felicia Rashad, who's from Houston. She's a very famous actress. And Felicia said one day that where the women go, the culture goes. And I thought that was an incredible incredible thing to say as a man (laughs) one because I know how it felt to be raised by my mother and for her to be raised by her mother and for my dad to be raised single by his mom Um, and then for me to have my sisters I understand the responsibility of taking care of our women right so now that we have a female I mean because you can't you can't create more humans without women bringing them to life right Mm -hmm. or at least nurturing them like men we're just not good at that (laughs) so (laughs) I just you know but um now that we have a female vice president I am so for the fact that I'm hoping for us to have a much more ethical way of running our country and Mm. doing business I think that women have a certain thought leadership that um again it it involves that that nurturing ability 
but when you add that to business, you're able to solve people's problems in a, in a much more nuanced, much more, um, what's the word I just used before nuance in a much more nurturing way because you're not so worried about the metrics or the numbers or the bottom line. You're worried about, okay, all of these people have access to this industry or to this product, but how is it helping solve their problem, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I'm so excited that we have a woman in office because that's, that's what I feel that women bring to the table on an organizational setting. Um, and we need more women in leadership. I promise you it's, it's, it's something that we need, and I've seen in business that having women in a, in a top position allows you to just filter through some of the foolishness that you get as far as information. So mm. I'm just excited for us to be more ethical, more involved, um, and actually more driven. Yeah. You know, women want stuff to get done. Jasmine always hits me up, hey, you done this? I'm like, no, okay, we'll do this. You know, they just <laughs> want stuff to get done. So um, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. I like the fact that you are... I saying that we're hoping for a more ethical way of running this country. People think that doing things the right way is not profitable, but that doesn't make sense. If more people have access to the economy and to equity and to our system, more people can spend more money, which means your business makes more sales. But when you have half the country shut out, how are you possibly going to have that great of a business when everybody can't take part that's the Indeed. bottom line so i'm really adamant about that actually and i'm i'm ready i'm ready for that yeah and she uh there is a picture of her getting sworn in um mm -hmm. with her husband next you know literally standing holding the bible and it just gave me goosebumps i'm like me i mean it wasn't even was it thousand it wasn't even 60 years ago that women finally got yeah. That the, the they uh, acquire the right to vote. Yeah, exactly. And and now we're standing here with a female vice president. Next thing you know, we're going to have one as a president. As a president. Which hopefully, cross fingers for that. I know. We're we praying for Joe's help, but if he don't make it. Yeah. But also, we want to get Kamala there as well off of an election. I would like to see that too, or anyone. You know, that would be beautiful. So. It would. Somebody said the other day that Michelle Obama would do a wonderful candidate for that. I think she would. But I think she likes the role that she has as a supporting partner to the head office. Because mm -hmm. she just brings so much intangible in the background. Indeed. You know. Indeed. So. All right. Number 17, Kevin. And we're getting towards the end pretty I know, quick. I know. If you could go back in time and change one moment about your life, what would it be, Kevin? Um... I can't remember what I had planned to say for this, but if I could go back in time and change one moment, I would actually change. I would I would change my outlook on basketball. That's a big one for me right now. I would definitely change my outlook on it. And that takes me back to the question I said earlier about college when I mentioned leverage, because even though I did not want to um, necessarily play professionally, I still would have wanted to leverage those skills a bit more. Um, I could have played for a year or two and lived out of the country. That's that's a fun thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, so just just making better choices with my talents, not just basketball, but better choices with my talents. Even with, with band, I, I would have wanted to leverage that more because I was talented, mm -hmm. but I didn't push as hard as I could have. Um, 
because I did have talent. So I would I would want to push myself as far as I could go while I was in high school to see who I could be. And I still can, but, you know, it's 11 years later. So Yeah, never too late, Kevin. Never. Well, with that one, I guess this one comes hand in hand. Where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? <laughs> number 18. So I'll say this. Very quirky things. In 10 years, I would have liked to... Um, perfected the saxophone. I actually plan on that, doing that in seven. I would have liked to um, pick the piano back up because I did the piano long before the saxophone. Hmm. Um, and I would also have liked to have gone back to school, which I'm planning here again in the, like the next year to two years. Nice. Um, but if I don't get my PhD by then, that might be so. Because you have a master's, right? Not yet. Not yet. I want to go back to get my master's next. I've been waiting on it though. So, but yeah, I, I definitely, oh, and to learn seven languages. May not have all seven in 10 years, so I'll say, I'll say three, because that'll give me a good time to be super fluent. But Spanish, I already know English, um, Spanish, French, and then Portuguese okay. are three that like I really want to master. Well, Spanish and Portuguese are the romance languages. Mm -hmm. So if you get started with one it'll be a thousand times easier for you to get into the other one i mean you already live in texas i know so might as well start with spanish because uh, it's happened to me i actually worked with a portuguese girl at the wake hippodrome okay and we would hold conversations she would speak portuguese to me i would speak spanish to her and we would oh, wow. we could understand each other oh wow it was we would have I mean, we would have to speak slowly yeah but we could definitely probably comprehend 70 percent of oh, the conversation so that's really cool yeah french well you also said french which is also a romance language mm -hmm. it is right yeah that and italian right it's italian french it's five spanish, spanish italian french, italian french is romanian one of them latin i want to say latin is there latin why can't we just go ahead and look it up? I mean, we've got computers. We got a computer right over Speaking here. Speaking of language, we were in, going back to university high school. Spent all that time in Spanish class. Who was your teacher? <laughs> Mr. Gutierrez. Mr. Gutierrez. For two, two years. And before that, I had um, I had Miss uh, Villarreal. Okay, Kevin, you were actually right. It is Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, and Romanian. Romanian. Okay. Yes. But they all come from Latin, though. So that's like they the do originate. So the most spoken Romance languages, which are the main five, are Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, and Romanian. They are called Romance languages because they originated from Latin, language spoken by the Western Roman Empire. Mm. So history note for the day. Right, history note. Thank you, Google. Right. <laughs> Listen, Google's the is the thing. I love Google so much. I do too. <laughs> I have Google Assistant on my phone, so when I wake up, I just ask Google, "What is the weather outside today?" <laughs> and, I love and it. it's pretty, it's pretty helpful I if if you it. ask me. Man, we're getting towards the end, Kevin. Um, I might just pull up ten, ten more questions for you today, just oh, to keep it going. Well, so since I'm since I'm getting so close to the end, let me continue number eighteen real quick. Mm -hmm. So, um, those are like really personal things and traveling. Of course, I would say. Um, from like a career standpoint, I definitely want to be um, a hedge fund manager in my job, nice. which basically means um, work over, you know, millions of dollars in capital and make a lot of money. 
Nice. Um, but you know, I, since I do invest and I work at an investment company and I have a nonprofit, my goal for even doing all that is because I want my own um, firm, my own investment firm that specifically focuses on community style investment projects, mm-hmm. right? So, um, investing in, of course, like real estate assets, but maybe things like the union. I love the the union hall downtown where. You have one building that's a business, but it has multiple businesses in it. Yeah. Or figuring out how maybe some of our friends who did not go to college, who have certain skills, how they could still be very profitable in a business, whether it's plumbing, electricity, any type of, you know, we've got hair care. We've got all those different skills. I want a business that caters to everybody's skill set and we still have economic progress. So. That's awesome. There's a lot going into that, but that's that's where I see myself in ten years, like strictly investing for communities. Um, that's wonderful. Only. Well, you know, Kevin, those that help others usually have a lot of not held back, but a lot of reward, and not just yeah. monetary. But I mean, of course, it comes with monetary compensation. But yeah. that the fact that you have that kind of intention with your future, it just once you get there, you got to call me with a million dollars, Kevin. I'm going to. I'm going to call you. We're, we're going to be in touch anyway. You better, Kevin. So you can go play at your expensive, fancy parties. Oh, please. <laughs> you know I don't party like that much. <laughs> All right, number 19. If you could see your life through the lens of someone else's eyes, who would it be and why? Oh. If you could see life, I'm sorry, life through. Oh, okay. Not I was your like, life. My life. Ooh, who am I going to pick? Um, so if I could see life itself through somebody's eyes, that's a tough one, but that's a really tough one because I like the way that I see, I really truly do. You know what? I would, I would see them through my dad's eyes Hmm. because I have a little bit more of my relationship with my mom is really strong because I, you know, it's just me and her for the longest, but I think that. I enjoy the way that my dad explains stuff to me and sometimes it's confusing and then maybe like two months later I'm like oh that's what he was trying to get me to think mm-hmm. so I would definitely want to see life the way that he sees it um, in a sense because he he does keep me humble a lot of the time he's the one who always told me um, like my mom's a social worker but my dad always is the one that said you know, if you're in a position to give back to the people around you, then you know you've made it a certain step. Mm-hmm. So um, I just enjoy that from him. And also, he's really big on family relationships. Like, he's, I think he's my grandma's favorite. Oh. <laughs> I think he's her favorite child. So by default, I'm like one of the favorite grandkids. But um, just seeing how he is with his relationships um, with all of our family members is really inspiring to me. That's wonderful. Yeah. I uh, I had the pleasure of meeting your mom. Mm-hmm. And then I think some years later, I was waiting tables somewhere, and your mother sat in my section. <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're Kevin's mom. I remember you from, from band. And you have had, I feel like, uh, your parents don't always need to be together in order for you to have yeah. a, a good example or right. a set example. I myself come from a divorce parents and, and correct me if I'm wrong but I personally like the fact of coming from a separated house because yes. you get two differences of input in life yes 
you get, you know, your mom, which is just a nurturing, like we just talked about, mother's always being nurturing. And was your father a rough, a rough dad? Was he strict? Well, they're both pretty strict, but my dad, um, they're kind of cut from the same cloth when it comes to discipline. But since my dad was in Houston, um, he wasn't able to be like a, a physical disciplinarian while I was there, while he was, while I was in school here. That's what mm. I'm trying to say. But all of the schools here in Waco had his phone number. Oh. And so, but that's because my mom has this thing again, she's nurturing, but she understands that I'm a young man. And so there's just a difference in raising a young man and two little girls. Mm. And she always wanted my dad to have disciplinary access to me so that I could think like he would think, or mm-hmm. at least be corrected that way. So, but my parents were always both strict. It's just that my dad wasn't in the house. But like you said, that gave me huge perspective. In fact, um, you know, my siblings, we all have different parent couplings. Mm-hmm. I have, my dad has four boys. There's three of us plus my stepbrother. So there's four. We've got different moms. On my mom's side, there's the three of us. I'm the oldest. We've got different fathers. So for me, um, having, and all of us have our own respective um, siblings by our dads that are not related to the other. Mm-hmm. And so for me growing up, that gave me the responsibility of understanding so many different viewpoints um, and not thinking that, you know, just because your family was not this perfectly TV made family that you were less than. In fact, the opportunities that I've had were a direct result of what my parents did because they were not together. Mm -hmm. Right. We didn't finish school at this time. So you've got to be able to do this. So like they were showing us kind of what they missed out on. And that has helped me so much because now I can look at other people's lives and be um, be very humble in my spirit and knowing that, oh, you know, they're, they're going through something similar. So, that you know, that's why they're that way. Um, but I enjoy having such a big family as well. Like, I've got my stepmom, who's one of seven kids. They've got a numerable amount of grandkids and cousins. Just count them away. <laughs> my dad is one of five, you know, so... And his mom even is one of 13. Hmm. And so being on such a big family just from his side alone, then my mom's grandparents were like each one of nine. And so um, I enjoy that, right? But um, it gives different perspectives on life. And it shows you that um, you are not who the world wants you to be. You are who you make yourself out to be. Hmm. You know, as long as you have the right information and the right intent, in your choices again then you can be whatever so that's awesome i probably would have gone crazy if my mom and dad were together to be honest (laughs) (laughs) like oh y'all getting on my nerves shut up man (laughs) all right number 20 kevin i'm gonna do a a little drum roll last one describe the year 2020 in three words crazy as hell crazy as hell i like that <laughs> i'm telling people covid and toilet paper are not allowed words here yeah <laughs> <laughs> crazy as hell it for every been. reason yeah every reason and but good crazy bad crazy um crazy because i saw that i did actually have time to do things that i had been putting off but i had to make time crazy to think that you know the things that you cherish the most on this planet can be gone just like that and i'm not just talking about life or death i mean things like water and power and just like everyday stuff can be gone Mm -hmm. or the ability to get up and go to work like you lose your sanity sometimes oh yeah 
crazy as hell. Those are my three words. I like that. Kevin, any closing statements, greeting, dedications to the audience, friends, family, workers, dog, cat, neighbor? Yes. Um, neighbor, if you found my cat, bring them back. <laughs> Her name is Fuzzy. She's a yellow tabby. Um, no, but this is, the, this is what I would leave everybody with. Again, life is full of choices. And um, my dad's mom said this to me. You can always choose to treat people better than how they chose to treat you. Mm. Okay? That's coming from a lady who endured domestic violence. And then my mom's mom would say this. Don't let anybody steal your joy. So those are my two words from grandma and mama. From granny and mama, excuse me. No stealing joy and treat people better than what they treated you. It always works out. I like that. Kevin, it has been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much after all this time that we played. We had <laughs> so many uh fallouts. I know and parents got sick. Our parents are okay now, so we're good. Plays over book. I mean it's it's one of those things. Life is crazy, but I'm glad yeah. we finally made it happen. I know. Uh, let's get together for another episode sometime. Yes. Uh, we got we got I'll some other be fun. In Dallas by then. Oh, then you know what? I live in some part of what's Hatchy over there. I'm not gonna disclose my new location, but so I'll go visit you because there's um if you want me to because there's H E B and the only H E B in the area is in Waxahachie. Really? Well, I live 20 minutes from Waxahachie, but it's okay. technically where I go, where we shop, where uh, I teach some music. Right. So it's it's right there in my town. You're enjoying so. teaching music? Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's a new, different kind of pace, but I've done it before. Uh, so if anybody needs, I'll teach you some guitar. You teach me some sax, Kevin. Ooh, let's do it. Let's do it. I played guitar for like a week at Carver. <laughs> Carver. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kevin, anything else you would like to tell us today? Um, No, I gave you guys my spiritual word. To treat people right always. And, and no, really, I, I like for people to leave with that. Because when you're in a situation, a lot of times you think that you don't have a choice, but you do. Um, and even when you feel oppressed or when you feel, you know, bogged down by somebody else. Somebody said this to me just last week. When you have a monkey standing on your back, it also takes you bending over a little bit for them to stand up straight. So mm. if you stand up straight, you may not have them on your back. So just think about that. Figure out how you can get yourself to stand up. That's a good one. Well, guys, there you have it. This was episode 12, Mr. Kevin J. Thomas from the New Black Collective, a former alumni from University High School. So, uh, Kevin, any way that uh, our audience can get a hold of you? Yes. So, I am very freshly off of Instagram. It's very distractible for me, my personal, but you can find the New Black Collective on Instagram. It's New Black Collective on Instagram. You'll see um, our our logos, the, the gold um, with the purple, the gold pyramid with the purple background. Um, but if you guys want to email me, you can uh, for now. Uh, Kevin Thomas at newblackcollective.org. Kevin Thomas, K-E-V-I-N-T-H-O-M-A-S at N-E-W-B-L-A-C-K-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E dot O-R-G. Um, but I'm also on Facebook, Kevin J. Thomas, with the New Black Collective as well. So you can find me there. Um, and we, I interact on Facebook kind of a lot now. So Awesome. Mr. <laughs> Kevin, again, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. 
We thank uh, the Rogue Media Network and also yes. Mike Hamilton. Shout out to them for allowing this podcast to be possible. Make sure that you get your podcast where you get your podcast food from. Spotify, Apple, iTunes. And make sure that you tune in in two more weeks to get a new episode. But this was Mr. Kevin J. Thomas. And we'll see you next time, guys. Yes, stay awesome. Take Amen care. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> This has been a Rogue Media Network podcast.